Hey, welcome to another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and with every episode here on Film Streak, I like to watch and talk about some new films I've seen. And it's not necessarily new releases, even though I've done that here recently, but um, this podcast is really about looking at some blind spots. You know, there's a lot of films I've seen. I've seen thousands of films at this point, and yet there's a lot of stuff that I just, I've realized that I've missed, I've ignored, or maybe I just didn't even know about. And so here's a chance for me to do a little homework, do a little studying, and maybe just uh, have a different appreciation for some films I've never seen before. So in a previous episode, I talked about, I recently had some surgeries, so I was out of recording for a little while. And in that time, I did get to sit and watch a lot of films. And with this episode, this is what we're going to do. We're going to blast through a bunch of them. And it's not necessarily to to deny them their, their due, but it's just to acknowledge a lot of films I've seen and be able to talk about some and, and kind of keep myself on track here. So uh, let's get to it. Um, we've got a lot of films to talk about this episode, and here we go. Film Streak 227, Knock at the Cabin. shouldn't make things up when we're talking about can you open the door please they're breaking in fuck us you baby we're not here to hurt you but you have to stay here in the cabin with us families throughout history have been chosen to make this decision your family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse. We're not sacrificing anyone. For every no you give us, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. It's really happening. Speedo, close your eyes. Will you make a choice? You have to somehow trust us. We're normal people just like you. It doesn't matter. None of us believe you. We will never choose anyone. that no one's allowed to leave until you choose. Do you really think it's all just a coincidence? I have to believe that. My son is going to die. His name is Charlie. As a mother, I am begging you. You're the only one who can stop this. Andrew, I saw something. There was something in the light. And I feel it now. I'm taking my family and I'm leaving. We've been given the chance to decide the fate of everyone. Time's running out on the world. I'm scared. There is nothing more flawed and perfect in this world than our family. Please make a choice. Always together. Always together. I will ask for the last time. Will you make a choice? 
look, uh, this film, you know, this is written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And if you are a fan of his films, you've followed his career, the types of stories he likes to tell. I mean, this is very clearly in that same vein. It, it is about a uh, a set of characters or a situation in which characters have to make some really hard choices or they're confronted with uh, sometimes unexplainable or, or impossible situations. And here, I just, uh, I don't know, man. I felt like I understood the premise and I understood the 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 theme of sacrifice and what links are you willing to go to? What sacrifices are you willing to make to save your loved ones, to save those close to you? Uh, or even in a bigger picture to save the world. And while I get that and I can appreciate that thematic element, something about this film, uh, it just didn't really work. Uh, it didn't work for me. And the reason I say that is, you know, you've got these two characters that are in this home with their daughter and their for the most part, very reasonable, very average people. You've got Eric and Andrew and their daughter who they're just living their life, right? When you've got these people that show up, whether it's Leonard, uh, Adrian, and and who uh, who else is here? Uh, Redmond, Sabrina, right? These four characters that, that show up at their doorstep, and present this situation, this sacrifice, uh, without any real explanation or, or I, I feel like any reason to it. It's just like it, this just has to be done. We can't really tell you why or how. It just ha- you have to choose somebody. Um, I don't know. That's where I'm like that's just a big question mark there. And for me as a viewer, I want to know more. I I need to understand why, because yeah, it's impossible to ask somebody or to require somebody to make that kind of a sacrifice or that kind of a choice when they don't even know why. As much as that is already, I feel like working against this story, these characters, for as reasonable as they mostly seem, some of these other, these people that show up at the cabin, they don't seem all that empathetic to the situation they just looking out for themselves which all right that's cool i get that but uh, these two andrew and eric the the decisions they make and the I, I i don't know they just almost seem kind of inept either as parents or as just people like they can't really seem to get their act together when it comes to either pushing back against this or trying to do the thing they need to do. And that's where I, I think really the, this whole thing falls a little flat is that these characters, I just can't get behind. I can't get behind what they're doing or even how they're trying to do it. Cause they just don't really seem like they have what it takes. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of the whole idea is Someone who is not ready to make this kind of decision is forced to make it. And that's where the drama comes in, I guess. 
but I really was hoping these characters would like take control, take charge and, and make something happen or, or push back against something about to happen. It never really seems to commit one way or the other, the film itself. And so it has enough elements of thriller and horror in it where it's not necessarily gratuitous or graphic, but it is suspenseful and it is taut enough to make you kind of want to stick with it and see where things go. But when you see like things don't really go to the places uh, I was expecting, uh, it is kind of a letdown by the end. Like, I just think it's not really, I don't know. I think I felt like I knew where this film was trying to go maybe, and it never seemed like it got there. And I, I, that probably sounds really vague and really kind of uh, talking around the whole thing. I just, uh, I don't know. I look back on it now. Like I watched this film, I guess a couple of weeks ago at this point as I'm recording this and it's not a lot that's really memorable here. I mean, I'm talking about it and I'm realizing I sound like I probably didn't even watch the film, <laughs> but I guarantee you I did. And it's, there's just not a lot here to, to kind of hang on to. It's not one of those that comes off as very memorable or, or unique. Even though the premise itself is really kind of a, a an interesting premise. It almost feels like, you know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, you might have seen the old Twilight Zone series or something like um, Tales from the Dark Side or one of those, you know, where it's like a very self-contained kind of thing, a 30 minute or, or maybe an hour long episode where these characters are put in these impossible situations or there's some kind of thing that happens and a character has to learn a lesson or something. This kind of feels like it should have been that in a way. And yet it was blown out into a, a you know, hour and a half, two hour long film. And I don't really know that it works in that format. Maybe it would have been better as, a part of an anthology or, or just its own self-contained smaller story. But here, uh, I'd, maybe that is just it. It just really wasn't the right format for this kind of a story. I don't know that I'd really recommend it, but if you're an M night Shyamalan fan, you're, you know, completest about it. If you love, you know, uh, was it after earth and you love the happening and all that? Mm, okay. This this might be one you check out. Otherwise, um, I don't know. Maybe just steer clear. Just give it a pass. Or just put it on when you have nothing else to do, maybe. Uh, let's see. I saw that on, I think it's on Peacock. It's currently on now. It just came out this year, earlier this year, and it's already out on streaming. And sometimes, to me, that's an indicator of like, eh, just maybe didn't work. It didn't work in theaters or it just didn't perform or whatever. So here we are can watch it at home now so that is knock at the cabin okay now let's get to um let's get to a, a double here um a, a little bit of a double feature i'm just going to play these together uh let's go to film streak 228 terrifier what if that guy did this to your car 
Mokai the Clown? Do you really think someone slashed my tires? Well, he knows this is your car. He saw us getting into it earlier. What is it, Tara? Dawn and I are sort of stranded. She has a flat tire and no spare, and I was kind of hoping you could pick us up. pieces or something. And Terrifier 2. So, did you figure out what you're dressing up as tomorrow? He wants to dress up as a real guy who murdered nine people last year. Oh, you're not doing that. That's just a costume. that guy's still out there what's up with you and this clown all of a sudden you're like obsessed they never found his body what if he decides to come back here i wouldn't worry about it wait a minute aren't you that guy from the costume shop sir what are you doing it wasn't me he was covered in blood on his shirt and his hands when he got here i'm telling you it was him Allie. right down to the little black dot on the tip of his nose you're really weird, you know that? <laughs> I believe him. About what? Something really bad's gonna happen tonight. No, I, I know when Jonathan's lying, okay? I, I could hear it in his voice. Something's, something's wrong. Look, we're gonna have fun. Mm -hmm. Stress-free environment. Yep. Speaking of surprises, kids, we have a very special guest with us today. All the way from Miles County. Please welcome Art the Clown. Have you seen these films? Have you seen Terrifier and Terrifier 2? I tried to watch these films. One, because um, I was recovering from surgery, so I really wanted something that I could just kind of put on and, and you know, enjoy on some level, but really not have to think maybe too hard about. Um, and I figure, you know, sometimes horror movies can be that, and that's okay. Sometimes they're just fun entertainment. And... I thought that's what I was getting into with this. 
right? I, I really thought, oh, this is just blood and guts and screams and, you know, it's kind of just a wacky good time. The first film, you probably can't necessarily tell just by hearing the trailer, but if you see the film or even just see the trailer, you can see it's really got low budget, no budget uh, vibes to it. And uh, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because, uh, you know, I've worked in that space before. I've seen, you know, people work with little or nothing and come up with something interesting and, and cool or whatever. But here, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's so much the, 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 the work or the craftsmanship of it. I think it's a little bit more of the premise. I, I just don't understand or I don't connect with the premise. This is just a clown that is killing people and almost without any real reason. And there's a strange kind of glee to it. And the violence is really, um, really gratuitous and, and graphic and unnecessary and, and, and pointless. I I don't want to say that um, it has to always have a point or it always has to be tasteful, but, it's it's kind of hard when there's no there's not even any motivation behind it. You know, I watched both of these films back to back thinking this would be a cool double feature to watch and I can tell you that uh, you know, I I usually try to write some notes down for these films so that I can talk about them and I have one note for both of these films. And it's just that this takes place on Halloween and the first film it starts with, or towards the beginning of the film, it's just a scene with Art the Clown kind of stalking, semi uh, harassing these two girls in a diner. That's all I got written down, folks. Because the rest of these films, I it's really kind of hard to either identify a real plot I mean, especially when you get into Terrifier 2, it does go into some really other, you know, we get in, I guess, into the mind of the main character in that film. And yet then it starts to go into this territory where like, there's like a dream world and there's like magic involved. And I really, I don't know, I really got confused on like, what exactly am I supposed to be understanding here? Maybe as an independent filmmaker, this is a place you know, this low budget territory, this is a place to try some things, take some big swings and just go out on a limb and do, you know, do all the crazy shit you want to do. And that certainly happens in these two films, but it's really hard to justify like in any, um, uh, see, I'm trying to be nice here. I'm trying to be fair. Right. But it's really hard to look at these films and say, is there any like uh, cultural relevance here? Is this going to be significant in any way? I, I don't know. You know, the one thing I will say though, is that this has kind of kicked off an interest at least in this whole world of, um, I don't want to say underground, but very independent horror films. And, you know, in the previous episode, I just talked about another Scream sequel, which is probably as big budget of a horror film as you can get these days, right? Horror films aren't what they used to be. I understand that. Studios and, and 
production companies, they don't make big films anymore like that. And so here, you you at least get a glimpse of there's a whole other world that exists there, a, a whole subculture of horror films and horror filmmakers and communities that this is the this is the vibe. It's weird, obscure, it's even dangerous seeming. And um so it's at least gotten me interested in that. Like I want to know more about that world. Like I've seen little parts of it here and there over time. And if you think about it, some of the more known horror film franchises have come out of that. I mean, if you think about something like The Evil Dead, that's exactly what that film was. When that first film came out, that's the that's where it came out of. If you think about some of like early Wes Craven stuff, that's where it came out of. You know, all of the film franchises that kind of kicked off in the late 70s, early 80s, that's where they came out of. There's this whole world of these really obscure, really weird um, kind of gonzo horror films that is out there and it's still out there today. And this is evidence of it. And yet, you know, it sometimes maybe it's a matter of really finding the, finding the needles in the haystack, right? Finding the good ones out there uh, amongst all the noise. If anything, at least tells me there's more uncharted territory out there. And so I'll, I'll look at that. I'll, I'll give it that. I'll look at some more of either this filmmaker as directed, written and directed by Damien Leone or Damien Leone. And so maybe he's done some other work and maybe this will give me more context, right? So it's at least got me interested there. I want to see maybe a little more to maybe have a better understanding. At least for now, in this moment, I got to say, like, skip on these. Unless you have a, a different appreciation for this type of horror film, I would pass, you know. Look for something a little different. Maybe look for some other films in this type of genre. Um, but these, let's just keep it moving. All right, now let's get to Film Streak 230, Fall. thing happened to you i just want you to be able to move on with your life come here it's coming up on a year i have something that's planned and i need a partner in crime the b67 tv tower i haven't climbed since becky if you don't confront your fears you are always going to be afraid <gasps> let's do it let's climb your stupid tower oh, i'm so excited <laughs> I was really ripped. You're awesome. That is the Becky that we need for this trip. This is sick. Damn it, Hunter. What are you getting us into? Okay, so just stay behind me one rung at a time. See? It's easy. You're doing great. Becky, you gotta come up here. 
Trust me. Down there in that bag. We have 50 feet of rope. I think I can drop myself lower. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna jump onto the bag. Hunter, no! Hunter! Every hour that passes, the weaker we get. If anyone called 911, they'd be here by now. What is it that Dan used to say? If you're scared of dying, don't be afraid of it. All right, so here, look, this is a film where, like, I was just talking about a film that maybe doesn't have a great premise or even a great execution, but here, uh, with Fall, this is uh, directed by Scott Mann. Uh, it's written by Jonathan Frank and Scott Mann, and I got to say, this was one that, it, it, I put it this way, this is one that's in the long, longer list of films that run this exercise of how do we put our character or characters in these impossible settings and see if they can survive it? And so, you know, I think of something like open water from what, maybe like 15 years ago when that came out. Uh, there's uh, that film frozen, uh, not the Disney one, the animated thing, the, the, uh, the one with the, I think it's a couple and they're like on a ski lift and they're in in a blizzard, and it's nighttime, and all that. And how do they get out of? The, how do they get down? Whatever. There's um, something like the shallows, um, where Blake Lively she's out on a rock, and there's a shark that's kind of like you know terrifying her the whole time. Even this film, uh, in the trailer, it says you know it's produced by the same people who did Forty Seven Meters Down, which I haven't seen, but I understand it's a similar thing where it's like a character or characters stuck underwater and the time is running because of air, but also sharks or, or something like it's just water. Right. So it's impossible situations. And how do you get the character into the situation? But then also how do you get them out and how do they survive? And so here, uh, this one was intriguing to me because it's like this idea of these things that you just see in the world. I mean, especially if you live further out of, outside the city you see these transmission towers out in the distance and it never necessarily occurs to you like people have to go up those things. I mean, just to build them and work on them. And so the danger, just the inherent danger of that, like that's already such a intriguing concept of, well, if I have to go there to work on this thing or to build this thing, what am I, what kind of danger am I putting myself in? But then if you find characters that don't understand this and maybe aren't experienced with this and they find themselves up there, then what happens? And especially if they can't get down now. So uh, to me, it's interesting to do this, to put the, your character in a situation, put them in that corner where they cannot possibly get out of this now. And yet they have to, to survive. And this film uh, also has the the benefit of 
working in a in kind of like out in broad daylight. There's nothing you can necessarily hide about this situation. You know, some of the other films I talked about, um, you know, whether it's in the ocean or at night or something, there's a little bit of like um, the the threat comes in terms of the unknown or the mystery of the setting. But here it's like it's you're in a tower 2000 feet up and it's broad daylight, clear skies. So you would think that is to your benefit, but it still works against you. And so I, I I really like the idea here. The execution is pretty, pretty well done. You know, the, the camera work and the, the, the way things are even composed, just like visually, it really gives you that sense of being in danger and being in an, just um, an undeniably uh, perilous situation. You know, whether you're afraid of heights or not, uh, whether you understand what these towers, uh, how these towers are actually built or, or how they're set up or not, uh, this just looks like nothing you'd ever want to find yourself in. And the characters here, I think, you know, that's the other thing. With something like this, your characters have to be somewhat reasonable in how they try to get out of the situation. And other than maybe a moment or two here, you know, I have actually probably a more of an issue with how the characters get up there because one of them is kind of a daredevil and a YouTuber and documents themselves doing this, which is a thing, right? I've seen YouTubers or, or people post videos of them climbing up buildings and, you know, walking on ledges and all this stuff. So I know that kind of thing exists. But the idea of taking someone who's probably either traumatized from something that happened to them or just not ready or experienced to do this, to take them up there with you all around bad idea. So if anything, that's where it, it's a little shaky of like how these characters got up here in the first place. But once they're up there, their approach to try and find a way down and find their way out of this, it seems to kind of still work within reality. And that's where I think, uh, I, I think the film at least succeeds on that level is it makes you feel like, well, damn, I mean, this is probably what I would do too if I had no other choice and I couldn't, I, I just had no other way to, to figure this out. Like I would probably arrive at the same situation or the same uh, conclusion. There's a change in what happens to the characters is kind of a spoiler here. Um, and it's an interesting it's an interesting touch, a twist that I didn't see coming. So yeah, I, I give it a little props for that, for kind of giving us one thing and then revealing, oh, something else has been going on. And I it just, okay, I'll just give you the spoiler because you've either seen this film or you probably haven't. And if you haven't, you may not. But one of these characters, it's revealed at some point in the film, one of these characters died in this. And the character that's left didn't realize it up until a certain point. And then she discovers she's on her own. And that, of course, amplifies the, uh, the terror here because not only are you stuck in this situation, but you thought you had somebody else with you and now it turns out, no, it's just you. 
And how's this going to work? And so I, I think this is actually really kind of effective in that exercise. It, this premise is almost so simple. It's ridiculous, but it, it works because the human mind is only capable of so many uh, outcomes in terms of try to survive. But then also uh, you've got physics working against you. You've got you know the environment working against you. And this at least tries to play it out in a semi-realistic, uh, reasonable way that is still entirely horrifying. So um, I, I'll give this a recommendation. You know, it's it's a good, pretty easy watch. It's not a, I feel like it's not a very long film, but the idea is that the the premise really kind of works for me. So that's Fall. And check that one out if you like. I think that's maybe on Stars. Maybe you can rent that in some places. Um, so check that out. All right. So we've got a couple more here. Let's get to uh, the next one on uh, Filmstreak here. We've got Filmstreak 231. This is Titane. to see this film for a little while and one of the reasons was primarily because this was written and directed by Julia Ducournau who I remember talking about in a, a previous episode way back now uh, her film Raw and that one was such a surprise to me that it was a kind of a small intimate story but it was also about like cannibalism and family and it was just a very strange mix of genres and tones and it's just really bold in terms of it went to places i didn't uh i didn't expect and it was told in a, in a way with a tone that i i thought was very unique and look at this film is very much in that vein it's a little bit of a thriller a little bit of a horror film but also has a little more of a stylistic touch and 
Yeah, the, the basic premise is we have a young woman here, Alex, who is, um, from what I can see, from what it's indicated, is is a, a either a dancer or a model, and it's shown through flashbacks that she was involved in an accident, an auto accident as a child, and ended up having like titanium plates put into her head as part of her you know injuries and recovery and all that, and that had kicked off or had flipped a switch in her how can I even say fall in love with, I guess like uh, metallic objects or inanimate objects or, or even in, as it's shown in the film, like vehicles specifically, <laughs> I don't know if it's because of an auto accident that caused it, but you know, it, it we really get into some weird territory here. And the idea is that it's not just like, Oh, this is uh, an emotional thing. Like it is an actual physical thing that happens with her. And you know what? <laughs> it's a little hard to talk about this in such vague terms. Uh, you know, this girl just gets down with vehicles and she ends up getting pregnant and it's not really clear how uh, it's not shown quite so uh, explicitly, but the idea is like she becomes pregnant and she kills some people to protect herself and she ends up going on the run and disguises herself as a young man, cuts her hair, you know, breaks her own nose. So she looks kind of, uh, busted up and, um, she goes into hiding and she ends up taken in by this man who's a firefighter. He works on a fire crew and, um, posing as his son. And even though it seems pretty clear that she is not his son and he is even willing to look past that because he's also got his own issues and he's dealing with maybe aging and dealing with losing his son and his line of work, the danger of it. And it's just an, it's a really odd, but also unique and interesting look at attachment and relationships and, what you're willing to do to protect those things. And it goes about it by telling us uh, that through these very odd characters and their circumstances. But um, I think that's what I kind of got out of the core of the film is like, it really is just about protecting the ones you love and protecting that part of yourself that maybe people don't know about and maybe you're not sure how to show to the world. I think some of it really lands in, in the right way. Some of it feels a little bit, um, I don't, I don't want to say clumsy. It feels like, like some of the characters look a little too easily past some things. I don't know if that's the in the writing or just maybe even just in the editing. It feels like uh, it feels like we didn't really explore some of the moments as deep as it, they probably should have been. But otherwise, I mean, there really is a film that connects on a much deeper level than the strange and ridiculous premise of it all. So uh, it's it's a recommendation for me, but it's a different speed than the type of film that the trailer might portray it as the the trailer if you, if you see anything like promoting the film it feels like it's really kind of exotic and really flashy and really 
uh, strange and probably disturbing film. And it does have some of those moments in it. But for the most part, it is kind of a quiet and more intimate, uh, emotional film than that. So just keep that in mind if you go to watch it. And I think I saw this, uh, let me see, this was on Hulu. Uh, It may be somewhere else also, but I saw it on Hulu. So that's a place to check it out on streaming. So that's a recommendation. Check that one out. All right, so let's get to the next one here. We've got um, kind of an oddball here, and and I want to talk about it at least in some regard because uh, I think it's important. Let's get to Film Streak 232, Babylon. How do you boys do? You okay? You're sweating. (laughs) How y'all doing tonight? Y'all ready for something different? Something special? And she plays this in my dressing room. I don't even know what that is. You got it. He's dead. He he did have a drinking problem. That's true. Probably ran into it himself, huh? It's a disease. What the fuck? Meet Estelle. We got engaged yesterday. Hola, Carmelita. I have no idea who that is. So, look, um, this is a film that's directed by probably one of my favorite younger crop of of filmmakers that are out today, uh, Damien Chazelle, who... You know, you think of Whiplash, you think of uh, La La Land, um, even First Man, which I really appreciate on a deeper level, really. Um, I feel like it kind of went underrated and unseen for the most part, but I think it told a pretty bold and ambitious story uh, about Neil Armstrong. And so here, I really thought, man, this is going to be the biggest swing yet. I mean, he's depicting an age, uh, an era of Hollywood that will probably never exist again. And I think in some ways this is actually successful in doing that. But I, I think the other side of it is that there's so much in this film and it just moves, especially in the earlier, I don't know, say the first act at least, it moves at such a breakneck pace that it becomes exhausting. I mean, you know, the idea of depicting the early days of Hollywood when, you know, before sound, where things were just done so fast and in a way that were not, not always responsible or safe or, or even successful, but they were just done. The idea was to just make things happen, make art and make it fast and make it any way you can. 
We certainly get the sense of that. But in this film, it's cut so fast and it moves so fast that I feel like at some point uh, it's like, all right, I got it. I, I get what we're trying to do. here. I get what you're trying to say, but I need to breathe for a minute. And it really is like an hour into the film before you're able to feel like, ah, okay, I can exhale. I can just take a second to gather myself because so much happens and it just cuts, 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 cuts from characters to scenes to settings. The film just moves and it doesn't really stop for an hour. And when you see the contrast afterwards, it starts to make sense. But getting through that is really tough. This is essentially a story about uh, the transition of Hollywood from silent films into the era of sound and how much that changed, not just the technology and the techniques of making a film, but also it changed the culture around it. It changed what the actors and performers and celebrities meant to the culture, but it also changed what the people behind it, what the producers and the filmmakers, what they had to go through. And it even changed the perception of what this medium was for the general world at large. And so uh, there's a lot of ramifications by that, but just introducing another sense, the sense of sound, I get that. And, and I, I'm interested to see that. I want to see that story. But here, the way it's approached, it's approached from like four different angles because we were following essentially four different characters throughout the film. We've got, I, I think, essentially our main character is Nellie. He's played by Margot Robbie. And you know her rise from being a nobody to just happening to land a part and then to becoming a like a starlet and then a breakout star and then her journey there to Brad Pitt's character who is um, already an established actor and, and a silent film performer who then you know, has to make his way into the era of sound and how that changes his perception of his work and the industry and, and how he does all that. I, I think that's a different take on it, but it feels a little bit like crossing over with um, his character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, it's another character that's trying to transition and trying to roll with the times. So it's it's a little bit of an odd thing to see that here because I feel like it was kind of done better in that other film. And we've got uh, Diego Calva who plays Manny, who is also a young guy who's trying to find his way into the business and looking for any way into the world of film, into Hollywood, and eventually does. And it becomes a producer and is able to make projects happen and, and gain some sort of power but then steps away from it. He realizes this world is too wild. It's too dangerous. It's too uh, destructive. And so he steps away. And, oh, and the, I was trying to remember the fourth character I remember now was uh, Sydney, who is a young musician who was trying to make his way into that world and eventually found his way into music for film and yet had to deal with the racism and the um, backseat that he was sort of given, even though he's talented and he's got the, the knowledge and the skills. 
but was sort of given the back seat to so much of, you know, so many of the opportunities that could have been there. You know, the, the idea that we're following these different characters through this and watching them all kind of handle this in different ways, this whole transition of the industry. Um, I wanted to see that story and there are elements of this film that do work on that level, but so much of it also feels a little bit like, um, a little bit like, well, Oh, I heard this story about this one thing that happened. So I'm going to throw that in here. Some old Hollywood stories, or let's just imagine whatever the weirdest, wildest shit we can. And let's put it in here whether it really makes sense or really connects or not. Uh, you know, I, I think that's where this could have just really used some, some trimming. It could have used a little bit of um, judicious uh, editing to make this a little more uh, streamlined, to make it a little more coherent and still be just as entertaining and just as um, revealing of what Hollywood was like and what it became. Uh, but it's just the, the fact that there's so much thrown in here. I mean, there's not just the kitchen sink. There's like five kitchen sinks in here. And so I, I like that it's a big swing and it's trying to tell a big story. But I just think it, there are moments or whole, actually whole swaths of this film that are just, they got out of hand. And maybe that's by design. But I feel like it, there's a point where I can't, I can't hang with it. So uh, if you're interested in filmmaking and the history of filmmaking and world of old Hollywood and all that, uh, you might get some of that out of this. Um, but a lot of it is just going to be a lot of crazy, weird, interpersonal situations that may or may not be relevant. You know, I feel like, honestly, I feel like this is a film that I may come back to again someday and watch again and maybe have a better understanding or a different appreciation for. But in the moment right now, um, I can see why it didn't really land. Like it didn't, it kind of bombed, actually. It's just a lot. So anyway, that's Babylon. Let's keep it moving. All right, so we got one more here for this episode. We're going to get to Film Streak 233, Spiderhead. Hello again. Sorry I'm late, Mr. Epnesty. Not late at all. That's Spiderhead. We're proud of our work. Your presence in this facility, while technically a punishment, is a privilege. Where have you been? Drug study? In science, we have to explore the unknown. They've been testing me up and down. A lot weirder stuff than usual. This is new frontier stuff here. Before we begin, I need your permission to administer Dan 40. This place can really mess with your head. Drip on? Acknowledge. Drip on? Acknowledge. Acknowledge. Yeah, acknowledge. Let's do this. doesn't feel right. Time to worry about crossing lines was a lot of lines ago. 
work will save lives. Not just one life, many lives. We're making the world a better place. What you want is redemption. And this is how you're gonna find it. We're selling peace and harmony itself. Beautiful people get away with too much, and I say that having benefited myself from time to time. All right, so look, um, I think at the core of this, there's a really interesting story here. You know, it's commenting on technology and the the idea of enhancements and pharmaceutical companies and and so much of that part of treatment right and experimentation on people and emotions and manipulation all that kind of stuff is really kind of intriguing here i i like the ideas here you know if you combine that with this sort of semi prison setting where these people are held here in custody, but they are also uh, volunteering to be a part of this program, this experimentation thing. I think that that's a, a really interesting situation to put characters in. And I think everybody here really kind of does their work. You've got Chris Hemsworth playing our, our kind of our villain of the film. And then you've also got Miles Teller, who's basically the other side of it. He's a protagonist here. He's being subject to this stuff and he's not sure why and um, maybe not, or maybe the reasoning behind it. But then he starts to uncover some of the secrets behind this facility and he's got his own relationships with other, let's say, quote unquote, inmates. And, you know, I would say the one thing that doesn't quite work for me with this film, and I wonder if that's overall a problem, it seems like some audiences maybe or maybe did not uh, respond so well to this is that Chris Hemsworth, I think inherently is not this kind of a character. Like I haven't really seen him play like a bad guy in movies that I can think of. And yet here he is without a doubt, a bad guy. He's the villain of the film. And yet he plays it with a smile and he plays it with a little bit of a delight and a wink and it's like, yeah, I'm the bad guy, but I'm really friendly and I'm a pretty cool dude. And yet, um, I think that betrays a little bit of it. You know, there's never really a point in the film where he turns like full on villain. It's like, well, you're just not understanding what I'm trying to do here. And you're not seeing the bigger picture and you're not down with it. Like, no, but you're still a bad guy. I would have almost liked to see this entire film pretty much the same as it is, you know, even down to the production design and cinematography, everything looks great. It's directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who did Top Gun and, and Oblivion and all these really polished, really fleshed out worlds and, and productions. And I just think the one thing that doesn't work for me is it's like, I just wanted to see Chris Hemsworth be a real villain. I, I mean, that's not his nature. That's not the type of character he wants to portray, or that's just not his personality, whatever it is. I, maybe it just should have been somebody else then. Because I think that's the one weak link here. Let's not say he's a bad actor, but I think that approach to the character that he takes here, 
it doesn't give it as much impact. When Miles Teller is our guy that's really trying to get out of the situation or at least understand the situation, you want to put up like a brick wall there for him to try and get through. And Chris Hemsworth is physically and, and cinematically, he is a kind of a bigger imposing kind of guy, but he plays it down in this film. And he's not Thor in this film. He's just a kind of another guy in a suit. So I would have probably liked to see that done a little differently. Other than that, I mean, I think the premise here is interesting. Um, it's one of those kind of like knock at the cabin where I feel like this could have been a, a shorter, like an episode of a series or something like a one-off episode thing. It, the fact that it got drawn out into a full feature, it feels a little bit, uh, I don't know, diluted. It's kind of stretched a little thin, the concept. So you know, take that as you will. Um, maybe it's worth the watch. I mean, especially if you like these actors, cause it really is a small production. There aren't a lot of characters in the film and it's really kind of set in this remote, uh, isolated environment. It's one that I, I think I mentioned before, it kind of feels like a COVID era film, which I, if I remember right, I think it's, this was produced. It went into production during the pandemic, I think. So you, you kind of feel it a little bit. Like there, there aren't too many characters in the same scene or even in the same shot at the same time. So that's, it's that vibe I feel like is in there, but otherwise, um, maybe check it out one day. You need something to watch. Uh, that one's only available on Netflix. I think, I think that's an exclusive to Netflix. So that is Spiderhead. And look, oh man. So that wraps up a lot of, uh, films that, uh, I've been watching, uh, recently. And, you know, like I said, I had a lot of downtime here. I was doing some recoveries. So I had to just put on the films and see what happens, see what's, what's good and what's not good. I'll say this, I've got a little more of a, of a lineup coming up in, in a future episode. This one was a little more of a grab bag. I was just kind of picking some different things that looked interesting. Maybe I thought might work together somehow. As you can see, some of them were up, some of them were down. I, Hey, sometimes it just happens that way, right? So look, in the meantime, if you want to find some previous episodes, uh, go to filmstreak.com. You can subscribe there. You can, you can do that with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those. You can even get new episodes directly to you by email. You can also go to Filmstreak, go to this episode or any of the others. Leave a comment if you like something or you want to hear about a certain film. Or maybe you just have a whole different take. I get it. That's cool. You know, in the meantime, uh, thanks for checking this out. Thanks for listening. I'm going to go watch some new movies. Thank you.